0: Hi church, my name's Dana. I'd like to invite you to read along in our Bibles, John chapter one, verses 19 Mm -hmm. to 51. Now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. Finally, they said, Who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet?" I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened in Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The man on whom you see the spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus turning around. Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come with me, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was the one of two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John, you will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathaniel and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, You are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Let's pray together. Our Father, thank you for your word that is living and active. We thank you for your spirit who takes that word and implants it deep into our hearts and mind. And we pray, Lord God, that you would speak, teach, encourage, and correct us this morning. Show us Jesus in all his glory. And we ask that for his name's sake. Amen. Let me tell you a true story. In the late 1800s in North India, uh, Christians are being persecuted for their faith. This is how the story goes. A man and his family hear the gospel. They hear about Jesus and they believe. This man, his wife, his two kids are all baptized as followers of Christ. And that's when the persecution starts. They're spat on, they're mocked, they're beaten, they're tortured. And the man is warned, stop following Jesus or we'll kill your wife. He responds with his now famous words. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. They warn him again Stop following Jesus or we'll kill your two children. He responds The world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back. They warn him one more time Stop following Jesus or we'll kill you. He says, No. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back. See, when you know the story behind the song, it is so much more powerful, isn't it? That song is so simple and so sincere. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Let me ask you up front. Are you a follower of Jesus? I'm not asking if you believe Jesus existed. I'm not asking if you like church or read your Bible or say your prayers. I'm asking, are you a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? Does Jesus shape everything about you, your words, your actions, your thoughts, your feelings? Are you living for Jesus, loving like Jesus? Are you following Jesus? It's a great word, follower. If you're a Christian, it's a great way to describe your faith. I'm a follower of Jesus. And that's the word used in our passage today. Look down at verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me, follow me. Don't just trust me or believe in me or obey me or worship me, but follow me. We don't follow a a set of rules or a code of conduct. We follow a person, and his name is Jesus. Actually, verse 43 is a great gospel summary. Jesus found Philip. Jesus invited Philip to follow him, and Philip followed Jesus. That's just our big idea today, following Jesus. That, That word comes eight times in our passage In these verses, we get four days in the earthly life of Jesus. But they're about ordinary people following an extraordinary saviour, the Lord Jesus. Ordinary people living for Jesus, loving like Jesus. These people do not have theology degrees. They're not super religious or super intelligent. They're ordinary men and women. But they're walking, they're following Jesus. So I want to start by just unpacking one day. Verses 35 to 42 is like the model encounter with Jesus, what it means to meet him and to follow him. So look at your Bibles. Verse 35. The next day, John, that's John the Baptist, was there with two of his disciples. That is John's disciples. So we know one is Andrew. The other, we presume, is John, the one who wrote this gospel. Verse 36. But when John saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, The Lamb of God. Now we're supposed to be shocked by that because people have been waiting for the Lamb of God, for the Messiah for hundreds of years and John just says, there he is. It's a bit like when you go to the airport to meet friends or family. Remember those days when you went to the airport and you see them come through customs? You go, there he is. That's what John is saying. That is the Messiah. He is the Lamb of God. Verse 37. When the two disciples, when Andrew and John heard him say this, they followed Jesus. That's the word. At this stage, it's a subtle following. They're intrigued by Jesus. They want to check him out. It's a bit like the people who sign up for an explore course or an alpha course. That's the first step to following. You're committed to finding out exactly who he is. Could he be the one? Verse 38. Turning around, Jesus saw them following he singled them out and he asked them a question what do you want he's not asking what's on your mind he's saying what do you want in life what's life all about they respond rabbi is a term of respect of honor it means teacher where are you staying always laugh at that question if you could ask Jesus one question what would you ask him they could have asked about life or eternity but they asked where are you staying But it's actually a great answer saying, Jesus, we want to spend time with you. We want to meet you and listen to you and learn from you so we can discover whether you really are the Messiah. And Jesus responds with these beautiful words, verse 39, come and you will see. That's the invitation. That's what Jesus does. He invites people to to come and see. Not just see where he's staying, but see who he is. So verse 39, they They went and they saw, their eyes were opened. They spent the day with Jesus. They met Jesus, they encountered Jesus. That was a life-changing moment for them. And Andrew, verse 40, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. There's the word again. And the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we found the Messiah. And he brought Simon to Jesus. I love that. The first thing that Andrew does, he goes and tells somebody. He's so desperate to, to share with someone the discovery he has found. You know that feeling, don't you, when you're excited about something? You found a new restaurant or a new movie, and you just want to tell someone about it. That's how Andrew feels. He's so excited. He says, come on, we found the Messiah. And so Simon came, and Simon saw And Simon followed. That's the pattern. Jesus says, come and see. And people go and see. And then they follow Jesus and they invite other people to follow him too. I love this quote. Uh, Jesus was never interested in having fans. He wanted followers. When Jesus defines what kind of relationship he wants, enthusiastic admirer is not an option. My concern is that many of our churches have gone from being sanctuaries to becoming stadiums, and every week all the fans come to the stadium where they cheer for Jesus, but they have no interest of truly following him. The biggest threat to our church today is fans who call themselves Christians but are not actually interested in following Christ. They want to be close enough to Jesus to get all the benefits, but not so close that it requires anything from them. Now, maybe that describes you. Maybe you're more of a fan than a follower. You like the benefits. You like church. You like community. You like morality. But you're not a follower. Because following Jesus is demanding and it's full on. So two points today. Here's the first one. Uh, The Jesus we follow. The Jesus we follow. This is the identity question. Who is this Jesus that we're called to follow? And my eldest son, Sam, is a follower of Man United. I've tried my best, but he still follows them. What does that mean? He, he doesn't just know a few facts about them. He knows everything about them. He gets up early in the morning to watch live football. He talks about them, and he gets defensive when people criticise them. He lives, breathes, walks, and talks it. Same with us and Jesus. To be a follower means that we don't just know a few facts about Jesus. We live, breathe, walk, and talk Jesus. But who is this Jesus we follow? Uh, Jesus has many titles in in this passage. He's called the Lamb of God. We follow the Lamb of God. That title is used twice. Verse 36, John says, look, the Lamb of God. Same in verse 29. The next day... John the Baptist saw Jesus coming towards him and said, "Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world." Now, that's an extraordinary statement, and I'm not sure that John the Baptist knew all what he was saying. What does it mean for Jesus to be the Lamb of God? Loads of suggestions out there. Some have suggested it's the the gentle Lamb of Jeremiah. Others say it's the The goat on the Day of Atonement in Leviticus 16, the one who carries away the sins of Israel into the wilderness, but that's a goat, not a lamb. Others have said it's a sacrifice that Abraham offered instead of Isaac in Genesis 22, but that was a ram, not a lamb. It could be the the Passover lamb of Exodus 12 where God's people took a lamb and and slaughtered the lamb and put the blood on the doorpost. Remember that? And when God saw the, the, the blood of the lamb, he passed over They were spared from his wrath. It could be the lamb from Isaiah 53, the one who was led like a a lamb to the slaughter. Remember, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. It could be any of those. We don't know because Jesus is all of them. He is the Passover lamb who, who turns away God's wrath. He is the sacrificial lamb who carries our sins on his shoulders. He is the one who takes away, verse 29, the sin of the world. Not just sins, not just the things that we do wrong or the right things we fail to do, but that deeper issue, the heart issue of sin where we rebel against God and Jesus takes that away. Not just the sin of me and you, but the sin of the whole world. Now, I think we're good at this. I think we get that Jesus is the sacrificial lamb because we talk about the cross all the time, don't we? The transaction that happened, the substitution. But have you grasped that he is your lamb, your personal sacrifice, your personal one who takes away your sins? Because when you grasp that, then you begin to follow Jesus with a gratitude and a thankfulness and a devotion and a dedication. We follow Jesus, the lamb of God. We follow Jesus, who is the Son of God. That's the second title used. It comes twice, verse 34 and verse 49. Let's keep reading, verse 32. So, so John is baptising, and Jesus comes forward to be baptised. Verse 32. Then John gave this testimony. I, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on Jesus. That's unusual. The Spirit came on people, on David, Saul, and Gideon, but the Spirit didn't remain on people. But the Spirit remains on Jesus because Jesus has the authority and Jesus is the the presence of God and the power of God. John says in verse 34, I have seen and I testify that this Jesus is God's chosen one. Or footnote, he is a son of God. Nathanael says the same thing down in verse 34. 48, 49. He says, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. Friends, in John's Gospel, the Son of God is a relational term. It's saying that Jesus is relationally one with his Father. He is relationally connected. He is the personal power, the personal presence. So if Jesus is the Son of God, he's not just a mate, and he's not just a friend. He's that personal power, personal presence. He wants a a deep personal relationship with you so you revere him you respect him you adore him you you worship him so the Jesus we follow is the lamb of God he is the son of God he is the messiah and who says that in verse 41 he says we have found the messiah messiah is a a title a job description the Hebrew is Messiah, the, the Greek is Christ. It means the anointed one, it means the king, it means the Lord, the ruler. And again, forget, we forget the shock, God's people have been waiting and waiting and waiting for the Messiah to come. And John the Baptist says, I am not the Messiah. He says that back in verse 20, I'm not the Messiah. I'm just the one that Isaiah talked about, crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. The Messiah is about to come. Now, this is true, my friends. If Jesus is king, if he is the Messiah, then following him will mean what? It will mean obedience and submission. We we do what he tells us to do because he's always right. He needs to be king of everything, king of our, our work, our words, our wealth, our decisions, our directions. He is the Messiah, he is the king. So Jesus is the Lamb of God, the Son of God, the Messiah. And lastly, he, he is the Son of Man. That is his self-designated title down in verse 51. Jesus says to Nathaniel, actually to all disciples, because the you there is plural. He says, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So Jesus picks up the story from Genesis 28 with Jacob's ladder, where you've got a ladder reaching up to heaven. And Jesus is saying, I'm the new Jacob. I'm the new one who will usher you into the heavens. Because I'm the son of man, picking up Daniel chapter 7, where the son of man has the authority to approach the ancient of days. And Jesus is saying to us that he is the only one with the authority to usher you and me into the kingdom of God. It's a glorious picture of Jesus. He's the Lamb, the Son of God, the Messiah, the Son of Man. And the more you grasp these titles, grapple with these titles, each one is chosen specifically for a purpose and meaning, the more closely you will follow Jesus. Who's the Jesus you follow? The Lamb, the Son of God, the Son of Man, and the Messiah. Number two, the followers of Jesus. The followers of Jesus. Because Jesus invites us not just to... Worship him, but to follow him. What does it mean to follow? Put very simply, we go where Jesus goes and do what Jesus tells us to do. So as followers, Jesus might call us to go to people that other people don't want to go to, like the sick or the marginalised or the poor or the needy. As followers, he may call us to be treated unfairly or unjustly, to be criticised by religious people, we might find our families think we're crazy like Jesus did and and ultimately we might even give our life for Jesus but there are two words I want to highlight two words to describe true followers of Jesus and they actually describe Jesus himself the first word is this humility so followers of Jesus are always humble okay it's not about me it's all about Jesus I'm not important, but Jesus is. I don't need to be seen, but Jesus does. Being popular is not my goal, but making Jesus famous is my goal. And in this passage, we meet heaps of humble people. Let's think about Andrew. Andrew was the first follower, the first disciple. But what do you know about Andrew? Very little. He's got no book of the Bible written after him or about him. He wasn't a famous church planter like the Apostle Paul. He wasn't a famous preacher like Peter. He's just Andrew. Actually, that history, he's just known as Simon Peter's brother. And he's okay with that because it's not about Andrew. It's about Jesus. Simon Peter was a humble man. When he met Jesus, he says, no, I don't deserve to be called your follower. Nathaniel was a humble man. Love Nathaniel. His name is Gift of God. He says to Jesus, how do you know me? And Jesus says to Nathanael, verse 48, I saw you while you were under the fig tree before Philip called you. He's saying, Nathanael, I know everything about you. Nothing is hidden from me. That's humbling, isn't it? Jesus does that. He knows everything about us. John the Baptist was incredibly humble. John was popular, Famous, he was baptising loads of people, but he refused to take centre stage. Look at verse 24. The Pharisees who had been sent questioned John and said, why do you baptise if you're not the Messiah? And John says, I baptise with water, but anybody can baptise with water. Anyone can baptise and splash water on people. But when Jesus comes, he will baptise with the Spirit. Verse 27, he is the one, Jesus is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He's saying he is so glorious, I'm just a servant of Jesus. Now, to be honest, I think some pastors could learn from John the Baptist's humility because some churches do seem to be full of celebrity pastors, and some people are almost followers of their pastor rather than followers of Jesus. And some pastors seem to point people to themselves and not Jesus. And I do wonder whether where some Facebook comments display that. I call it the pastor's humble brag. Listen to this quote, a genuine quote from Facebook. Amazing day at church, I just preached a brilliant sermon four times and 20 people got saved. Humbled that God would use me like that not just pastors, though. There are many celebrities in churches, people in churches who think they're important. They're the the strikers. They're the goal scorers. It's all about them. What about you? Is humility a word that Jesus would use to describe you? Is following Jesus all about Jesus and not about you? I mean, do you serve not to be seen, but to make Jesus seen? Do you, do you give not to be known, but to make Jesus known? Do you pray not to be heard, but to be deeply dependent on Jesus? And humility is the only true attitude of a true believer, to walk like your Saviour in humility. C.S. Lewis said that humility is, is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. It's that attitude that who, are, who am I? I'm just a nobody loved by God, chosen by God, because nothing in my hand I bring; simply to His cross I cling. So humility will be a mark of a follower, and inviting others—that's the second mark. Just as Jesus invited us, so we're called to invite others, because if we really do follow Jesus, if you believe you found the Messiah, the Son of God, the Lamb of God, you'll want to tell people. You don't feel pressured. You just want to do it. There's no embarrassment. There's just excitement. It's like you've got the best news in the world and you want to share it. It's like you, have, you see a celebrity spot in Kiribati on YouTube you, you text someone, guess who I've just seen? I wonder if our lack of witnessing, lack of inviting is, is evidence of our lack of excitement about who Jesus really is. The first thing that Andrew did, he found his brother and said, we found the Messiah. And so Andrew brings Peter to Jesus. And then Philip brings Nathaniel to Jesus. He's so enthusiastic, Philip is. He said in verse 45, we found the one that Moses wrote about. We found him, he says. But Nathanael's a bit cynical like many people today. He says, Nazareth? Can anything good come out from there? And Philip does not get defensive or argumentative. He just says three simple words. He says, come and see, come and see. I think I'm unusual. I think I'm not normal because I came to know Jesus just through reading the Bible. But most people, I'm guessing for you, for many of you, you came to meet Jesus because somebody loved you enough to invite you to come and see who Jesus is. Someone cared about you enough to invite you to come and see Jesus. That's the normal way, the the private conversation, the friend-to-friend, the one-to-one chat, not the big event or the big stadium, but that personal conversation. I love seeing it in new believers. They're so excited. They found Jesus. They're just inviting people left, right and centre. It's a bit sad the longer we've been a Christian, the, the less we invite people. My friends, you've got a great opportunity this week, this very week, to invite a friend or a family member to come and see. Because Alpha kicks, up on, kicks off on Tuesday night. This Tuesday, the 13th of October, all online. With a launch party, just invite your friends just to to one night to come and see who Jesus is. It's not difficult. Three simple words, come and see. So followers of Jesus, we are humble and we invite others. Why? Because that's who Jesus was. Remember, Jesus does not want fans. He wants followers. So are you a follower? I love the hymn, I've decided to follow Jesus. But sadly, we never sing the last verse. It's a great verse because an invitation, it goes like this Will you decide now to follow Jesus? Will you decide now to follow Jesus? Will you decide now to follow Jesus? No turning back. No turning back.